was just sitting back there thinking about that that song, the descriptive language in that just uh, blesses my soul when it talks about his love's like a hurricane and I am a tree. Have you ever watched the um, coverage of a hurricane coming on shore, maybe on the Weather Channel or your favorite news channel, whatever it might be, and in the background where the reporter's out there just trying to hang on for dear life and try to keep from being blown away himself, and you can see those trees just bending over almost double in the background. What the writer of that song is trying to say to all of us is that he was overwhelmed by the love of God. Have you ever felt overwhelmed by the love of God? Where you've experienced that closeness with the Lord that only he can bring uh, for the child of God. That, what an amazing thing that truly is. I love that, love that song. Take your Bibles this morning. Turn with me to John chapter number 6. How many of you have ever heard of a gospel singer slash songwriter by the name of Andre Crouch. Have you ever heard of him? Most of us probably have. If you are a um, um, fan of gospel music, you have certainly heard of Andre Crouch. The Lord used him greatly, no doubt about it. He wrote one of my favorite gospel songs in 1999. It was called um, Jesus is the Answer. Now, I'm not going to sing that song for you, but I do want to read for you the chorus of that song. Listen to how he wrote it. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. If you believe Jesus is the way this morning, say amen. If you believe Jesus is the answer for the problems in this world this morning, say amen. Yeah, me too. I believe that with everything in me. Now, for the last two weeks, we've been looking in the Word of God at the miracles that Jesus performed. Now, I'm going to be honest with you this morning, as honest as I can possibly be. Uh, we believe in a miracle-working God around here. Amen? I believe God is able to do what He wants, when He wants, how He wants, with whom He wants. I believe that God is not hindered uh, by anything uh, the enemy throws at Him or throws at us. I believe God is able to do His work however He wants to do it. And I believe that for several reasons, but I just want to give you two very quickly this morning. First of all, I believe in a miracle-working God because we have a historical record in the Bible of God-working miracles. And it starts on the very first page in the very first verse. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now, listen to me, folks. If God, by His spoken word, can speak into existence the very universe that we live in, then no miracle is too big for Him. No great work is outside of His doing. So we have a historical record right on the pages of Scripture that tells us that God still works miracles, that He is able to do what He wants, when he wants, how he wants, with whom he wants. I believe, uh, secondly, that we have a God, we have the God that is outside of matter, space, and time. God transcends matter, space, and time. As a matter of fact, he created matter, space, and time. Now, if he created matter, space, and time, he is not hindered by matter, space, and time. Again, he can do what he wants, how he wants, with whom he wants, when he wants. He is a miracle 
working God. You need to understand that today. You need to get a hold of that today. Remember, folks, God has not changed. The same star-breathing, sea-splitting, dead-raising God that we read about on the pages of Scripture is the God we serve this morning if you've placed your trust in Jesus. He hadn't changed. He hadn't got sick. He hadn't got old. He's the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. He is eternal and all-powerful. He's able to work miracles. We saw in these last two weeks the Son of God and God the Son, Jesus the God-man, God incarnate in the flesh, walking upon this earth, performing miracles that only God could do. <laughs> we saw in John chapter number 11 how that Jesus raised up Lazarus from the dead. How many of you believe this morning that he is the resurrection and the life? We saw last week Jesus in, in John chapter number 2 when he took water without grapes and made wine. Praise the Lord. Now, how is he able to do that? For Because he is God. He's proving to them people in that day who he was. He's proving to us who he is. He is God. He is able to do the big thing that only God can do. We serve a miracle-working Jesus. What a blessing that truly is. Now, I believe the reason that God did all of these miracles, that Jesus did these miracles while he, in his earthly ministry upon this earth is to preach to us a message. Like we said before, there is a miracle in these, or excuse me, there's a message in these miracles. These signs that John recorded holds great significance. And I believe the ultimate message, the ultimate significance of these signs is to tell everyone Jesus is the answer. <laughs> Just like Brother Andre Kraut sang about, he's the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. See, what the Bible is teaching us, what Jesus was teaching us through the miracle of raising up Lazarus from the dead is that Jesus is the answer for man's death. If you believe it, say amen. What, what Jesus is teaching us through the miracle that he performed in John chapter 2 of turning the water into wine. You have these people there at the wedding. They run out of wine and everyone's disappointed. And in that moment of disappointment, Jesus comes and does what only God can do. Now listen to me. In your hour of disappointment and you're going to have some, in your time of trouble and you're going to have some, you need to understand that Jesus is the answer for those disappointing times. And listen, just like in John chapter 2, He can fill you with joy and gladness that is your strength. <laughs> That's the message in the miracle that He's done. Now, this morning, I want us to look on to the feeding of the 5,000. It's one of my favorite miracles that we have recorded of the Lord Jesus. Let's look together in John chapter number 6, starting with verse 1. And I'm going to read for you through verse four, number 14. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. 
And when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him. Everybody notice that verse. For he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in this place. So the men sat down in a number of about 5,000. Let's go on. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men... When they had seen the miracle that Jesus did said, this is of a truth, the prophet that should come into the world. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you bless the reading of your word this morning, the preaching of your word this morning. Lord, I realize I can do nothing. Lord, there is nothing good that's going to come from my ability. But Lord, I know great things can come because of your power and your truth. So Holy Spirit, by your power, enable me this morning to preach your truth. Speak to me, speak through me, use me for your honor and your glory. Help me, Lord, to preach your truth to these people so that hearts might be changed, so that we might become what you want us to be. Lord, if there's one here that needs saving, we pray that you save them. If there are those who are saved, who needs that fire lit again in their soul to serve you, I pray that today be the day. Lord, whatever is needed in the hearts and lives of men, women, boys, and girls, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you do it for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, show us the message in this miracle. In Christ's name and for your sake, amen. Now, the first and foremost, what I want you to know this morning, folks, is that we all have a hunger deep down on the inside. The great philosopher Pascal, he once said that men have a vacuum on the inside of them. A vacuum or a hole that can only be filled with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Billy Graham took that further and he said we have a Jesus-shaped hole on the inside. Everything else that we try to fill it with, it just don't complete us. But when we get Jesus as human beings... We get exactly what we need. There is a hunger upon the inside of every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of this earth that can only be filled with the Lord Jesus. And I think that's ultimately the message that's being preached here through this miracle. He is the answer for man's desire. A lot of people have a desire for God they don't even know they have. They have desire for something. They know they're not complete. They know they're not content. And they're continually grasping at everything the world has to to offer to fill that empty place. But praise God, I've got some good news for you. I know that Jesus is the answer for filling up the desire on the inside of every man, woman, boy, and girl. I know it to be true because it's been made real to me. Now there's three main things that I want us to see this morning from John chapter number six. First of all, you need to see that there is no problem too big for God to fix. If you believe that, say amen this morning. There's no problem too big that God can't fix it. 
Now, so let's look at the problem they had right here in John chapter 6. And I'm hoping when we see their problem, maybe, just maybe, we can see ourselves in the problems that we sometimes face. Look what the Bible teaches. John chapter 6 and look down at verse number 5. And when Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? So the Bible's already told us there's about 5,000 men there. But all that John records for us is just the men present. Most historians and Bible commentaries that I've read says that probably there could have been with women and children present, maybe 15 to even 25,000 people present on this hillside where Jesus had been preaching, teaching, and performing miracles. So there is a large multitude of thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. And Jesus, right in the midst of this, presents for the disciples a great problem. He looks over at Philip and he says, Philip, where can we buy bread that these may eat? Now, I love how John says this in the 8th verse. The Bible says, and this he said to prove him. For he himself knew what he would do. Now you need to understand, Jesus here is not asking for Philip's advice. He's really not. He's not trying to find something out about Philip, whether or not Philip's got enough faith. He's not. Because he already knows whether or not Philip has enough faith. <laughs> See, the book of John chapter 2, or chapter, John chapter 2 tells us that Jesus knows the heart of every man. How do you know he knows my heart? He knows your heart. And he knew Philip's heart. He knows us better than we know us, just like he knew Philip. He's not trying to find something out about Philip. He's trying to get Philip to find something out about Philip. <laughs> and I think God does the same thing with us. I think a lot of times the Lord will allow problems in our lives, not only to show us something about him, but also to show us something about us. It's through problems that we begin to see um, just how much we need the Lord, yes. But the problems also show us what we run to when things get tough. It really does. Let me tell you something. When things get tough, when you go through those problem times in your life, anything that you're running to, any person or thing you run to other than Jesus, you're running the wrong way. Now, the first thing Philip says, he, he was probably a guy good with numbers. He might have been a great businessman, I don't know. But he, he could look at this uh, multitude of people and he said, Lord, if we had 200 penny worth of bread, that's not enough for all of them to have a mouthful, is really what he says. Now, I've done some study this past week on the 200 penny worth of bread. 200 penny worth is about a year's wage for a man working at that time. And so Philip says, Lord, if, if you're asking me, really what he's saying, if you're asking me to fix this problem, if I worked all year long and saved all my wages, I could not have enough money so that everybody could get a mouthful of food. Really what Philip is saying is, Lord, this problem's too big for me. This problem is way outside of my power. Now, now let me ask you something. Have you ever faced problems in your life that is outside of your power? It's outside of your fixing. 
Maybe physical problems, man. You come to the place where you realize, I, hey, listen, this is just this is something that I cannot fix. This is something, Lord, I cannot do. I can't make it better. It may be relational problems. I'm talking about problems in your marriage, problems in your parenting, problems in your family, and, and you come to the place where you say, Lord, I just cannot fix this. This problem is too big for me. Listen, it may be financial problems where you've come to the place and you say, Lord, I just I, the, 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 this here. I can't fix. I've done all I can do. I've worked all the numbers, all I can work them, and it just ain't coming out. I'm talking about those times in your life when the ends don't mean they meet. They just wave at each other as they pass. Anybody ever been there? I'm sure all of us have been there at some time in our lives, and we've come to the place where we found out this problem is much too big for me to fix. It may be problems in your home, problems at your workplace, in your career. It may be problems in your church. Maybe problems at the schoolhouse. It can be problems anywhere because we live in a world full of problems and these problems many times are much too big for us to fix. As a pastor, I've come to find out there's a lot of problems I just can't fix. Amen? And so you know what I do? I bring those problems to Jesus. Hey, when there's problems in the church that I can't fix, I bring them to the Lord. Lord, this is not my church. It is your church. Lord, you know I can't do it, but I know you can do it. So by faith, I'm trusting and I'm asking for you to fix this problem. And I'm thankful to tell you this morning, God is still able. What I can't do, what we can't do, He can do. Now that's what he's trying to show Philip and that's what he tries to show us when we deal with the problems we deal with day by day. Amen? Again, he's not trying to find out something about Philip. He's trying to get Philip to find something out about Philip. And he does it with Israel too. And I believe he allows those problems in your life for the same reason so that we might find out more about ourselves and certainly more about him. But you need to understand and realize whatever problem you have, God is able. Are you hearing me? God is able. Say that with me. God is able. Say it again. God is able. You're not able. I'm not able. But God is able. There's not a problem too big that God cannot fix. Keep trusting the Lord. Keep looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Set your eyes to the hills from whence cometh your help. Remember, He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He will not fail you. In the midst of your problem, how, no matter how big it is, remember, it's not too big that God can't fix it. Trust Him. Give it to him. So very important that we do that. I remember years ago, I had a uh, dear sister in Christ call me. I was her pastor for about nine years. She called me up one day and she said, Brother Israel, I need you to pray for me. And I said, well, sure, I'll pray for you. What's going on? She said, I found out last night that I've got a tumor on my brain and it's going to have to be operated on. So they're planning brain surgery for next week. I want you to pray for me. And I said, well, let's pray about it. And we prayed about it. And after we got done over the phone praying right there, she said to me something I'll never forget. Now, now you, I want you to know about the situation just a little bit. 
At that time, she had three children, all of them pretty small. The oldest probably about 12, 13. Then she had a middle son, about eight or nine. And then she had a little bitty boy, about, uh, excuse me, a little bitty girl, about uh, four years old. And so she had some young children. And she'd got some bad news. She was facing a big problem. Let me tell you what she says to me. She said, Brother Israel, I've given it to Jesus with both hands. And I sat and thought about that for a minute, sitting on the phone. And then I felt like shouting after I got a hold of what she was saying. Let me tell you what we try to do so many times, and it causes so much heartache and turmoil. We'll give it to God with one hand, and before we give him time to work and place faith behind our prayers, we take it back with the other hand. And instead of just trusting the Lord with it, we worry about these problems we face continually. Worry causes anxiety to the point that it robs us of our peace, of our joy, and can even hinder our purpose, us fulfilling our purpose, very much so. So she said, what I've done, I've put it all out there. With both hands, and Lord, here it is. That's good. There's not a problem too big that God can't fix it. Number two, there's not a person too small that God can't use. Let, let me ask you something. By a show of hands, does anybody ever feel small? Anybody? I'll, I'll put both hands and this foot up. Anybody ever feel inadequate? Anybody? All of us do, don't we? From time to time. All of us feel like maybe we don't measure up. All of us feel like we're not good enough. All of us, feel, certainly for, for me, I feel like I'm not worthy to be used of the Lord. Anybody else? When I look at where God brought me from, when I look at the problems I still have, I, I think to myself, I am not worthy to be able to be used of the Lord. Sometimes it causes me to feel very, very small. Now the truth is though, no matter how small we feel or how small we are, God can use us. The Bible says right here, John chapter 6 Verse number eight, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. What are they among so many? Now, this is really a different message for a different day, but let me just say this while I'm here. We need some Andrews at Mount Zion Baptist Church. Are you hearing me? We need some folks some followers, some disciples like Andrew. Let me tell you what you always find about Andrew throughout the Gospels. Anytime you see Andrew mentioned, he's always bringing somebody to Jesus. You go back and look, it was Andrew who brought his brother Peter to Jesus. Right here in John chapter 6, it's Andrew who brings this little boy to Jesus. You go on and, and read throughout the book of John in John chapter 8, you're going to find that it was Andrew that brought some Greeks to Jesus. He's always bringing somebody to Jesus. Oh, listen to me. There is opportunity for all of us to be like Andrew and bring people to Christ. Amen? 
Now, how do we do that? You say, brother, we do that through preaching the gospel? Yeah, absolutely. We take Jesus to the people. Amen. That's what Andrew did with his brother. Wasn't it? You've got to come and see. Listen, I know I have found the Messiah. You've got to come go with me. I want you to know this Jesus I've met. He preached to him the gospel message. The truth of who Jesus was and what Jesus came to do. He brought his brother to Jesus. So yeah, we preach the gospel. Across the street and around the world, in our homes, at our workplace, at our school, at the grocery store, wherever God gives opportunity, keep bringing people to Jesus. Let me tell you something else. This is not an either or thing. Now let me tell you what else you can do. It's, it's a both. Now, not only do you preach the gospel out there, but you also bring people here. Amen? Because what are we doing here? We're preaching the glorious gospel, the word of God, and the preaching of the word coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit is still what's changing hearts and lives. Coming to church will save nobody, but getting in church and being under the preaching and teaching of the word of God is a great place to get saved. Are you getting me? So invite somebody to come with you. I mean, I say it over and over and over again. A lot of people don't come to church and nobody asks them. We need some Andrews who's going to start Bringing people to Jesus. I love that. Andrew is not a well-known disciple, really. I mean, his brother became the first pastor of the first church in Jerusalem. Preached on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved. Peter was kind of known as the leader of the disciples, but Andrew kind of stood back in the shadows. You just don't hear a whole lot about him, but that's okay. That's okay. Maybe Andrew understood that it wasn't about him anyway. Maybe Andrew understood his job was to get as many people to Christ as he could possibly get to him. You don't have to have your name in lights. You don't have to have recognition. What we've got to do, you don't have to be well known to be used of the Lord. What we've got to do is keep loving people enough to get them to Jesus. Oh, listen. This brother just blesses my soul every time I think about him. He brings this little boy with a, it was a small boy and a small lunch, really. All of this was small that Jesus used. He brings to him a lunch with five barley loaves. Now, if you go back and study on the barley loaves, you're going to find out nobody liked the barley loaves. It was a cheap dinner. I mean, these barley loaves was the most coarse, poor bread that they had to offer in that day. Matter of fact, many times they would feed the barley loaves to the livestock. And then the Bible says there was two small fish. Wasn't even big fish. Small fish, probably like sardines. It's probably what he was bringing. Sardines and crackers. Now that don't sound like much, does it? To some it does. <laughs> I'm not completely against sardines. Some people are. But that's really what he had. Two small fish and some coarse bread. Now listen, small lunch. Small boy, big God. Big God. Big God. And, and what we have right here is a recipe for a miracle. Do you want to see the miracle working God do something in your life? It shows us how it happens right here. Here you have this little boy who's willing to give what he's got. 
if there's one thing I could tell you as your pastor this morning that I want you to get a hold of, it's this. Listen. Listen to me. Everybody look at me. Give Jesus what you got. All you got. Give him your time. Give him your talent. Whatever it is. Give him your treasure. Whatever it is. And say, Lord, all of this that you've blessed me with, I realize you've blessed me to be a blessing. So here it is with open hands. Whatever I've got's yours. If you want to see God work in your life, do that. Because with God, you've heard me say it, it's not about our ability. It's about us being available for God to use. It's not about our fame, who we are. It's about our faith, trusting in Him. It's not about who we are, what we can do. Oh, listen, it's about whose we are and what He can do through us. So take what you've got, all of it, and give it to Jesus. Say, Lord, here it is. My life is yours. Lead God and direct me. I want to see miracles happen in my life. Amen? Jesus takes this little boy and uses him greatly. Well, if he can do it for this little boy, he can do it for this one. He can do it for that one, for that one, for that one over there, that one over there, and all of us. We may feel small and insignificant. We may feel inadequate to the work of the Lord, but there's no person too small that God can't use let me give you one of my favorite scriptures that encourages my heart. 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> Chapter number 1. Verse number 26. The Bible says, For ye see you calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. So what's the Bible saying? If you don't think yourself to be mighty or noble or wise, that's all right. God still uses people like you every day. Look at the history we see in Scripture. That's the people God used. I want you to think about Mary Magdalene after Lazarus had been raised from the dead. The Bible says she brought just a small box of, 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 of uh, an alabaster box of ointment. Just a small box. And she broke it, anointed Jesus, his feet, and then began to wipe his feet with her hair. And you know what Jesus said? Because of this act of submission and worship, everywhere the gospel is preached, her name is going to be mentioned. And so for 2,000 years, this little unknown woman in Judea has been preached about when Jesus has been shared. She might have been small, inadequate, insignificant, but God used her. I've read my Bible and found about a little boy named David. Y'all remember David, don't you? Just a teenage young man, little bitty fella. Just a... Uh, uh, um, probably 14 to 17 years old, somewhere in there. And the Bible says his dad told him to go out and bring lunch to his brothers on the battlefield. The Israelites and the Philistines were making war. And he gets out to the battlefield and sees this big nine-foot-tall Goliath standing out there in the middle of everybody uh, blaspheming the name of the living God. What did David do? 
David said, if nobody else will fight this uncircumcised Philistine, I'll fight him. And the same God who delivered me from the lion and the bear will deliver me from this giant. And God took David, this little insignificant, inadequate teenage boy, and five smooth stones from the creek and killed this champion Goliath. God uses little people. Small people, insignificant people, inadequate people, just like us. Because I know how people think, because I think the same way. Well, God can use this person over here, that person over here, but I just don't think God can use me. Yes, God can use you. And he will if you'll give him what you got. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing like being used of the Lord, brothers and sisters. Nothing like being used for kingdom business. You want peace? You want joy? You want to walk in the power of God? Give God all you got. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So give him all of it. All of it. I think about the little widow that Jesus told the story about her going and giving two cents in the offering plate. You remember that? And everybody else, called the widow's mite, and everybody else was bringing up all this, a uh, whole lot of money that they were putting in so everybody could see what they were giving. And she comes and gives her two cents. And Jesus said, she's given more than everybody else. Maybe small, but God can take that which is small and do great things with it. I bet there has been more money given to the things of God over the preaching of the widow's might than probably anything else. There's no person too small for God to use. He's been using ordinary people to do extraordinary things for the last 6,000 years upon planet Earth. Give him what you got. So what happened? What happened? They took um, this little boy's lunch. Jesus blessed it. The Bible says. He told them to make the men sit down and they sat down. And then he handed to the disciples what he had blessed. And the disciples distributed to the people. So now these disciples get to be a part of the miracle. Now let me ask you something. If Jesus can cause a little boy's lunch to magnify so much that it'll feed 25,000 people maybe. If he can do that, did he need the disciples to hand it out? No. No, he didn't. Matter of fact, he could have said, everybody sit down out there on the grass. And he could have caused the fish and bread to miraculously appear in their hand. Just like he caused it to miraculously appear in the basket. He could have. But instead, he allows his disciples to get in on the miracle. And so he says, now that everybody's sitting down, like I've told you to get them to sit down, I want you to go out and start handing out this fish and bread. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. This blesses my soul every time I think about it. Here you have Peter, who knows the work of catching fish. And I bet Peter grabs up one of these baskets and starts going to hand it out. And he starts to hand it out. And he's wondering if I put my hand back in here the next time. Will there be more fish? And sure enough there's more fish. And he's oh my gosh. what is good? And there's more fish. And there's more bread. 
and there's more fish and there's more bread. You talking about being blessed because he's a part of what God is doing. Not just Peter, but all of them. I'm so glad God allows us to be a part of what he does. Now, listen to me. So, Brother does that mean God's going to use us to miraculously feed people? Absolutely. Absolutely. But now listen. What we're going to give them is the bread of life. Because this is truly the message. I don't have a problem with feeding people physically. That's all well and good. But now listen, if we only feed them physically, they're going to get hungry again in an hour or two. If we only meet physical needs, it only goes so far. What we must do is give the bread of life that will satisfy their spiritual hunger and give them new life in Christ. Amen? That's what we do. And we get to be a part of it. We get to take this gospel message across the street and around the world by the power of God. We get to be a part of the miracle. We get to be a part of changing people's eternity. Isn't that amazing? We ought to be a part of it. The Bible says they eat all they wanted and then took up the fragments. In another gospel, the Bible tells us there were 12, or excuse me, in this one, verse 13. Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. So he didn't get just a little bit. God filled them all the way up. <laughs> Isn't that just like Jesus? He fills us up to our cup overflows. I'm thankful for that. He's good, isn't he? There's not a problem too big that God can't fix it. There's not a person too small that God can't use them. There's not a spiritual hunger too deep that God can't satisfy it. That's number three. Let me tell you what I mean by it. Look down at verse number 25 and we're close. Verse number 25, and when they had found him on the other side of the sea, when they said unto him, Rabbi, when comest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles or not because you understood the miracles. Now they saw the miracles, but they didn't understand them. You lose a little bit in translation here. What he's saying is, you didn't understand the miracles. See, the, the miracle was not... He was teaching them about physical food. He's trying to teach them he's the bread of life. That's what he's trying to teach us. Let's go on. Watch what he says. And because you did eat the loaves and were filled, because you've got your belly full physically, that's why you keep following me. Not because I have proven by my works that I'm the son of God and God the son. Now watch. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Look down at verse 28. Then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Look what Jesus said. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. What Jesus is saying is, Yeah, you've got your belly full physically speaking, but there's a deeper hunger. A deeper hunger that you're not even realizing. What you really need is for your sin to be forgiven. What you really need is to trust in me 
a Savior. What you really need is the spiritual life that I'm able to give. That's the hunger that really needs to be quenched inside them and inside us. And the good news is he's still the bread of life this morning. He's still able to satisfy the deepest spiritual hunger we can all have. That's my message. Jesus is truly the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Now John 6 is telling us Jesus is the answer for man's deepest desire. Do you need the Lord this morning? Have you been born again? Do you have the peace of God that passeth all understanding? Have you experienced new life in Christ? If not, today is the day. Maybe you have been saved. Let me ask you this. Have you given everything to the Lord? Are you giving him your time, your talent, your treasure, and saying, Lord, here it is. Take it, use it for your honor and your glory. Are you? If not, you're missing out on being a part of the miracle. God can use you and wants to use you to accomplish his purpose in the earth. What a blessing. What a blessing. Give it all to him. Give it all to him. Do you got problems in your life that you can't fix? It's just too big for you to fix it? Well, join the crowd. All of us do. All of us do. I'm glad I've got a God who's big enough. I'm glad I can ask him and he listens. I'm glad he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or think. So if you need him today, you come. If you've got a problem too big for you to handle, he can, he can handle it. If you want to be used, just tell him that. Lord, use me in some way. Use me to speak truth to those who need you. To a lost and dying world, open doors for me to share my faith. Help me to bring people to you. Ask him that. Get real with him. He'll get real with you. If you want to be used, you can be. Whatever you need. This invitation is for you. Everybody stand together, please.